I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Anthony D'Alessandro. And this is the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation, the Rings of Power. That's right, Lord of the Ring fans, we're dropping it. And it's all things rings as we chat with Lindsay Weber, the executive producer. Lindsay, thank you so much for being with us. I have to ask you right away, how does it feel after all the years that have gone into making this series to finally have the rings of power, at least the first couple of episodes out in the world? Yes. Um, it is humbling. It's exciting. It's a relief um, to some degree, <laughs> you know just to have it out there, this thing that we've worked on and uh, talked about for so many years now. Um, it's very humbling to, to be part of this thing that is so much bigger than all of us. Now, you're in the UK right now working on season two. Yes. You know, a show like this, and everybody's talked about how much money's gone into it and all of that kind of stuff. But for you as a storyteller, as a producer, as a seasoned veteran producer, what is your what's been the biggest challenge for you now with season one finally done finally coming out week after week on prime video and now mm -hmm. as you guys are going into season two productions um it's a great question and the challenges they never they never stop <laughs> and they don't often repeat themselves i find just when you think you've got it all in hand a new one crops up but um honestly the biggest challenge is there are a few advantages you know we've in season two we've we've got our um you know the majority of our cast there certainly will we and we love them and so we have learned to you know write to them a bit more and um and what you know all their strengths and things they bring to the show we certainly will be meeting some new characters in season two um the the, the biggest challenge is is having all the worlds ready to shoot at the same time um you it's not like we get to do hey, the dwarf show, and then we go home and take break and then prep the elf show and then prep the human show and then the Numenorean show. They're ready all the time because we hopscotch across all the worlds um, uh, at, within each episode. It's sort of part of the fabric of the show to be a mosaic and just as the books were written. And um, it's, it's easier to make things look new than it is to make them look old and lived in and have a history. And so it, it requires a lot of hearts and minds and hands to to get it all going and and keep it going across the span of our shoot now obviously Lindsay, you for a long time were a bad robot you saw a lot of big movies all the way mm -hmm. to the big screen um congrats on that by the way star trek Thank fans you. around amazing. the world star trek fans around the world I'll, I'll say your name blessed it be um thank you but this you know lord of the rings is like that's that's it's the thing right i mean it's you know we can talk about Game of Thrones, all these other shows, but this was the one. This was Tolkien's books really set the stage, created the genre. Obviously, yes. we had the Peter Jackson movies, and now we come into the show. What attracted you to taking on what you knew was going to have to be a multi-year campaign that that yes. was just going to have everything you've ever learned and more thrown at you? Well, um, working at Bad Robot was really a joy. I loved being there and learned so much and met so many brilliant creative people. Um, and I, um, I learned a lot about um, how people, how franchises are managed and um, from the, certainly from the filmmaker side, the studio side, the, um, the writer side and, and everything in between. And um, I, I'm such a Lord of the Rings fan. Um, these books meant a lot to me growing up and I'm a big fan of JD and Patrick's and um, we had been working together. We should just talk for, about that. That is the showrunner. Yes. 
of Lord the of the show Rings, runners, Rings of Power. Yes. J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, two brilliant humans. And we had worked together on a bunch of films, some Star Trek films included. And um, they um, had thrown their hat in the ring to with a take. Ouch, on, no pun on, intended. Yes, and, um, and uh, they got the job, clearly. And I was so excited for them because I know what mega fans they are too and what an amazing opportunity it would be for them but a little sad for me because I thought it would be the end of my working with them and they would never be available again. And then we, you know, I sort of wound up saying, well, just, you know, as you're getting into this big franchise world and particularly this one, which is, you know, very few people can say they um, sort of created a whole genre in the way that Tolkien did, you know, um, make sure you sort of start this way and watch out for this thing or that thing. And then I sort of started talking to the Amazon people and saying, they were calling me and sort of saying, well, you know, JD and Patrick, what, you know, how should we help them? And sort of giving them a little bit of advice. And it turns out eventually JD and Patrick asked me if I would run away and join the fellowship. And um, <laughs> I, I said, okay, I love you, but I want to hear the take. And I signed a I signed an NDA and they, um, they pitched it to me. And then from there I was done. It was so great. And it was a show I would have wanted to see as a fan. And I just couldn't stop thinking about being a part of it. And I, I remember I walked in the door from the meeting and my husband took a look at my face and he just said, oh no. And thankfully um, he just knew I would, I would never be able to stop thinking about it. And thankfully he's a very supportive spouse and agreed to move to New Zealand with our family to, uh, to have a go, as they say. So I'm going to take a, a hard left here in the conversation. Sure. Um, you know, you, you set things up uh, here at the end of episode one with a great cliffhanger, this mysterious person that falls from the sky. And while I know I'm not going to ask you who this is, because this mm -hmm. is this is basically the the train that will pull us. Well, one of the trains that will pull us throughout the season. Can you tell us about the inspiration for the stranger? Like, is is this a character that we can find in the appendices? Um, good question. Um, so Tolkien wrote a lot about the stars. The stars are very important in Middle Earth. Um, and uh, magic is very important in Middle Earth. And, um, oh, what shall I say here? The idea that this sort of miraculous event would occur in the Harfoot's backyard was one of the sort of foundational ideas um, from the showrunners when I joined the project. And um, uh, what I can say about this character is that he is a bit of an onion with many layers to peel. And I think it will be a fun journey for fans to peel as the season goes along. Lindsay, I mean, Anthony talked about it a, a little bit in that question and all, all the fans uh, of course realize this is you guys are drawing from you know footnotes, appendix, other things. So the process here very, unlike say the Jackson films and other versions of this, or even the Zeppelin songs that mentioned mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. yep. You guys, this, this is less an adaptation and more an almost posthumous collaboration. From an executive producer point of view, mm -hmm. how do you get those kind of trains to run on time? Because, you know, you, you, you know what you're working with. You know that every single mm -hmm. fan is going to be like, well, I wouldn't have had them turn left. I would have had them turn right. But no one's got canon to draw from to actually do that, except the little shards and sprinklings that the author left in the originals. Um, 
that's that's sort of right yes we there you know there are clues that tolkien left us the appendices um outline things quite a bit and there are other clues left in other writings song here a note there things mentioned in the letter and and we've um one of the big helps was that we worked that we worked very closely with the tolkien estate which includes harper collins and new line and and tolkien's family and additionally with simon tolkien who worked as a consultant on the series he volunteered his time as a consultant on the series to help us with some of these questions so um it was a great uh reassurance to know we could we could sort of phone a friend and ask about certain things uh, when they were um ambiguous in the legendarium and make uh certain adjustments with their blessing so that we could be as true to um what tolkien wrote as possible now teasing little season two you know mm -hmm. we come in one of the great things that's a wonderful reference here in the new series are some old familiar faces elrond galadriel and gilgalad obviously the elves you know when you're doing a prequel like this the the elves are timeless and they're easy mm -hmm. you can easily pull from the installments that are ahead of you to to pull them into the prequel but I'm curious, will we eventually, and this is for the non-Tolkien fans out there, will we eventually see the hobbits? You know, we know the Horfoots are um they're 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 the early, the early uh kin of them. But will we eventually see like, I don't know, Smeagol? So a few things to say. Lots of questions. There are lots of questions in what you just asked. Um, right. Lots of questions. Thing, lots. The first thing I would say is that we don't really think of it as a prequel, though it is before. Something about the word prequel seems to suggest you need to know what comes later to appreciate it. It's sort of like an appendage to a pre-existing thing, and we don't feel that way about this. This is a story that you um, you can appreciate if you've not read the books, if you've not seen the movies, there is an on-ramp for you. And this could be your first introduction to Middle Earth, and we would be honored if it if it if it does become that for people and it winds up turning people on to read the books, it would be a, a thrill for us. Um, about the Harfoots, um, they are ancestors. Tolkien tells us they are ancestors of the hobbits. Um, the Harfoots, along with the stores and the fallow hides, wind up um, becoming the hobbits that you know from the Third Age. So, um, you know, we, the Third Age is the story of, um, Frodo and Bilbo and all of that and and we are telling a second age story um but where the story might go and it's uh planned 50 hours I I I couldn't I would hate to limit anyone um uh on the with my with my answer here well then Lizzie we will not ask you to do that but I will want to follow up on something you said because we all we know about it this is a five season arc right now mm -hmm. I mean what That's it could right. be what yes. it could be after after we go along I mean you know, good Who's thing we say? all have kids is all I'll say. Um, <laughs> but part of that is that is a massive canvas for you. Mm -hmm. it um, is. And there is there is so much. And I, I totally hear where you're coming from on, you know, the, the use of the term prequel, because I, I do think it has a certain it it, 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 it pigeonholes something a little harder than mm -hmm. it needs. But when you're looking at telling a story like this and you're looking at telling it over streaming with weekly releases mm -hmm. and a global reach, mm -hmm. what? for you is the thing that it that and pardon me for being blunt but what is sure. the thing that worries you the most with that kind of scale 
that worries me the most? Um, that's a great question. Uh, is it wrong that I don't have a lot of worries? I, you know, at this no, point, I mean, that, that, look, the, then you can be, I mean, come and be our producer as well. If you've got 20 seconds in your, the rest of your life to give us. I, um, you know, I, the worrying has happened definitely, but we were at the point where, um, we we've made a thing and we did the best we could every day and it was made with a lot of love and care and it's time for the world to see what they think about it i i you know we definitely put a lot of pressure on ourselves and um we know that we are part of this thing that's much larger larger than all of us and that can be a heavy burden at times but um whatever people will say and i'm sure they will say all manner of things and yes they would have turned left or we turn right and so on I hope they will see it was made with um, an enormous amount of respect and passion and that there is there's really nothing cynical about it. I mean, we had the most incredible crew and directors and actors uh, who devoted themselves for years to this sort of shared fever dream of making this crazy thing. And um, it was not for any reason other than passion for Tolkien. It, it really, and I hope that that comes through in 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 what people see. I mean, to speak to the 50 hours, it is a huge canvas and sometimes that can be really overwhelming, but we we find on this show, we say to each other a lot, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? And and um, it we just try to go, I try to go calmly one foot in front of the other and make an organized plan and then stick to the plan. And of course the plan changes, but we try to be, um, you know, calm through it all and, and um, believe in the story that we set out to make and trust in our partners and so far that has served us has served us well and hopefully we've made a story that people will find engaging now you guys of course season one you guys filmed in new zealand massive massive endeavor season two you guys have moved to the uk um you know there's been a lot of talk about how much money has gone into this project and mm -hmm. people love to talk about money and sometimes don't understand some sure. of the details of what that yes. money actually is but certainly from what we've seen so far this is an epic scale and by the way mm -hmm. from what we've seen so far we should also point out that of course you can talk more about this with Lindsay and other members of the rings of power uh, massive organization on deadlines inside the ring the after show to the rings of power which will be you'll be seeing in mere days after these releases every week with anthony and i shameless plug yes <laughs> Lindsay, by the way is awesome on camera as she is in in person with us however i do want to ask you is with all that grandeur all that the epic of it you you know this is ultimately a story over generations in a way it's a friendship and family drama you could even say there's a buddy movie element to this um without too many spoilers there Mm -hmm. How do you manage keeping that with the giant scale, the expectations, and then also just these stories between these characters based on love, trust, relationships, friendships, and fear? Um, you guys like to ask complicated questions. So a couple of things I want to talk about. Uh, in, we, in we, what you Lindsay, did. you're so busy. If we've got you, we're going to ask them all. No, do it. It's all good. Um, so I want to say something about the budget, but I'm going to answer the other part of your question first. The... Um, the answer is you have to budget to balance the scale, the, the big epic scale with the intimate, quiet human moments. Otherwise it isn't worth anything. Anybody can make spectacle, but it doesn't, it won't move you and, or you'll forget about it if it isn't um, 
alongside something honest and true that that feels authentic to the things that we all go through that makes you feel something and one of the things that is so great about Tolkien and and that you know one of the reasons I couldn't stop thinking about the idea of coming to work in Middle Earth is that um Tolkien is all the you know hits all the tones it's it's um, and I, I, we hope to capture some of that in the show. One minute, it's a horror movie and it's absolutely terrifying. Another minute, it's a, a grand epic and you're swashbuckling on the seas or charging across an open field with, um, you know, an army of horses. Another time you're scaling an icy mountaintop and, um, you know, swimming underwater with mysterious creatures. Other times you're in love and gazing into somebody's eyes and then hopefully you're laughing and feeling like a kid and seeing magic in the world. And, and how great is that? I mean, there are so few works in the world that allow you to be in all those tones and registers at the same time. And that's, that's the magic of Middle Earth that we felt it was so important to capture and that we worked so hard to capture and audiences will be the judge. Um, but if I can say something about the budget, because I must, I yeah. want to say that the... Um, the real number has never been reported and um, there is so much more that could be said about it. And it is significantly lower than the numbers that get bandied about. I always sort of smile to myself about it. Um, so entertainment yes. weekly, the entertainment weekly reported a billion, but they didn't make it clear if that was for season one or the entire five seasons. Is that not, it's certainly not for season one. I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> I do so, know. I, I do mean, know. Jeff Bezos has money, but nobody has that. Like, I do know for yeah. a fact that um, Amazon did take just the rights alone, the the series rights alone for two hundred to two fifty. That I do know. I so, can't. Yeah, I can't speak to that part that predates me. Yeah. You know, Lindsay. Lindsay, can I ask you? I mean, and and you know, we could go grandeur on this if we if we feel like it. If you want to indulge us. But does that, do you feel that when people do that, they start banding around like, whoa, they had all this money. You know, they could yeah. do all this. You could do anything with that amount of money. You could put elves on the moon. Do you feel that that distracts from the storytelling? Um, a little bit, but I hope that, that people will forget about it as soon as they see the show. And I hope when you see it, you see the money is on the screen. That's the goal. Your goal as a producer is to put the money on the screen. And we, the money, look, we did. From, from the episodes that we've seen and the ones that have dropped, the money is on the screen. Just wait till things get going, but thank you. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, and I also, I come from a feature world, so I can't help but think that way to some degree as to JD and Patrick, the showrunners. Um, the show is um, the length of three franchise tentpole films um, shot on the schedule of two for the price of one. So um, it's all relative in how you, in how you look at it. And or if you looked at what it cost you know, reportedly to, to make um, the, the trilogy earlier, 20, 25 years ago, you know, things have gotten a lot more expensive. And anyway, I could defend it all day long, but the, um, it is a lot of money and we feel incredibly grateful to have been given the resources to realize Middle Earth in the right way or the way that, you know, felt deserving and appropriate to the, the source material. But yes, we felt the limitations. We could have, you know, we could have spent more on every project I've ever made, regardless of size. And some have been very, very small. It's all the challenges are always time and money, and that was true on this show too. Let me ask you one thing, uh, bringing it back to the content of of uh, episode of, of the of episode one, the Numenorians. Why was it important to focus on them? Yes, blank canvas, but 
what was great in the drama and why don't you think, you know, they've ever been explored before? Well, um, that's a great question. Numenor's Tolkien's Atlantis. It's one of the great stories of the second age in, in our minds, you know, the stories we want to tell over the course of the series are, um, uh, the forging of the, the rings, um, the rise and fall of Numenor, um, the rise of Sauron when he's not just an eye in the sky, but a, a physical being, um, embodied and operating, uh, in middle earth and eventually the last alliance of elves and men. And, um, Numenor is an incredible epic journey unto itself. It could, you could make a whole show just about that and it would be compelling. Um, and we felt if, you know, you couldn't make a second age story without it. So um, viewers will have to wait until um, the third episode to get there, but uh, we, we hope it's, it's worth the wait when you get there. Lindsay, we really appreciate you being with us. We, we hope now clearly, again, we have the deadlines inside the ring after show, which you're going to be a part of as is everyone else. Yes. Almost everyone else from, from yes. uh, the Rings of Power. But we hope you come back and join us on Hero Nation because these deep dive talks are fantastic. And honestly, you're one of the best guests we ever had. But I want oh, to ask please. you something. You say that to all the girls, but thank you. Oh, <laughs> no, you are. Um, thank you. It's very kind. So, well, it has the added benefit of being true. Nonetheless, one thing I want to talk about, you talked about the, the movies from, you know, almost 20 years ago and what have you. One of the things we see now in Rings of Power is, is there's a greater sense of representation and diversity. Now, clearly, we are dealing with a number of, of creatures and, and species that, that are of the imagination, elves being but one of them. Well, at least, at least around my house. Um, mm -hmm. But that is, seems to be something that, you know, seeing these first episodes, it just seems so natural. It just seems so obvious. But I want to get a sense from you about the decisions to do that and the incorporation to do that. Because let's be honest, before today, Lord of the Rings, very white. So I'm glad you asked. Um, we, for us, the, the sort of North Star for us was go back to the books, go back to the books, go back to the books. And, and we found in looking at the books more closely that there is actually a lot more inclusion and representation there than might exist in the popular mind. Um, for example, Tolkien wrote that the Harfoots were of browner skin. Um, that's probably not a thing um, people have known very widely. Um, no. And of course, he wrote some of the greatest uh, female characters in fiction of all time. To me, Galadriel is one of the, maybe the greatest fictional character ever. Um, and clearly, Middle-earth is populated uh, with all manner of species and, and they came from somewhere, there were women there somewhere. So, um, you know, we felt it was, uh, truest to Tolkien to, to, um, widen the canvas a bit and that it was just part of our world, world building, um, as we, as we looked at the material and tried to bring it to the screen. Well, thank you very much for joining us online with this and bring it to the screen. Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power is dropping episodes weekly on Amazon Prime Video. We, of course, one more shameless plug, have our deadlines inside the Ring After Show, which will be going into all things in the Ring of Power. We will be talking about this a lot in a lot of different ways. But Lindsay, thank you so much for giving us so much insight today. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast, Hero Nation. I'm sure you guys are power watching Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. We're going to be talking about it a lot more here. As I said during the podcast earlier, we're also going to be talking about it on our after show, Deadlines Inside the Ring. 
Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, Hero Nation, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry at Deadline.com. We will talk to you soon.